Hey everybody, it's Zach. And James Upton, John, and myself just got back from PAX Unplugged 2019 and thought it would be cool uh, if we gave you a little quick recap on some of the cool stuff we got into and then dive into some interviews I was actually able to get from some of the players uh, after playing a Hyperborea game and getting their thoughts on the system, world setting, uh, some of them definitely playing it for the first time. Uh, then I actually got to interview longtime and this awesome referee, uh, convention referee Morgan Hazel, one of the big uh, referees of the Hyperborea system nowadays. And also I was actually able to interview Jeff Telanian himself, uh, creator of the game. I was at PAX Unplugged 2019, in case you missed it in the previous podcast episode. Uh, we were able to hang out a little bit and actually got some uh, first uh, heard uh, news of some upcoming uh, Northland Adventures products. So stay tuned for that and hope you enjoy. So overall, PAX was a blast. The amount of board games, crazy vendor hall, live shows, panels, great location in right downtown Philadelphia, all the tournaments, you know, free game library and RPGs going on is seriously quite a spectacle. And I think really just shows the amazing progress the tabletop scene has come in the past, you know, come into the past few years. It's definitely something to check out and experience. Uh, you know, we get there Thursday night, first thing, we actually ended up starting out. Our first game was this game called Deception. It's a really cool, uh, you know, multiplayer game. We actually got to hang out with the Legends of Avantress crew uh, that first night. If you aren't familiar with them, this super plug, definitely check them out on Twitch. They stream tons and tons of heavy, uh, heavy role play, fifth edition D and D, and lots of other games multiple times a week. Definitely uh, Twitch.tv/LegendsofAvantress. Uh, you can YouTube Legends of Avantress or they're at Avantress Legends on Twitter and Instagram. Definitely an awesome group of people. Uh, if you like role-playing, uh, they're just something to be seen. They're just hilarious. Uh, definitely love hanging out with those guys. But all right, the, uh, the main sort of criticism of PAX, I'll just get to super quick and out of the way. The uh, process for scheduling these sort of free-play RPGs needs a little work. This uh, analog on-site, just kind of paper sign-up registration, you got to get to it with a bunch of lines, was kind of obnoxious. Um, it's just kind of the... The system, I guess, you have to do when you're there. But, you know, uh, the PAX app, however, was awesome. Uh, you know, it had all these, like, line queue status. You know, you could see if the lines were filling up for some of your panels and larger live shows. If they could do something like that for the uh, RPG signups, you know, they might not have to have the people, like, running around telling you that Call of Cthulhu ran out of spots, you know. I'm um, sure we're kind of waiting in line trying to plan for what your wanting to sign up for. So theoretically, they could do some digital, maybe even just a Google Doc. People could watch and see their slots filling up. Might be some more slightly higher tech that they could integrate pretty easily. Um, just a thought. But yeah, the, uh, the main RPG uh, free play area, you could actually sign up on the RPG Geek website. They had kind of the, their packs enforcers would log on there and you could pre-sign up for a table, which actually is pretty cool. But I think it was uh, maybe a little tough for some of the older school games or if you weren't weren't really aware of that. Uh, it's kind of hard to get to um, if you're you know not really on social media and digital stuff most of the time. 
Um, but it was, you know, what was fine for me personally, just, you know, finding the Hyperborea, Hyperborea game on there and signing up. Uh, but again, I think if, you know, some of the smaller games might not uh, get as much recognition on that route uh, if they weren't sort of larger sponsors and being on the main, you know, some of the main uh, uh, D&D events and stuff like that or Pathfinder events at the show. Um, but, you know, it still worked out pretty well. I think some people still found some of the niche games via the free play sign up. You know, if some of the larger games they were trying to get into weren't available, there's actually a pretty good variety of a lot of more niche games, you know, kids on bikes. It was just some really cool, uh, definitely a lot of cool stuff going on in the RPG free play area. So it was, I think it was a good, uh, good chance to get exposed to some of the more uh, niche games out there, too, if that's something you're interested in. Um, I wasn't able to do any of the panels, unfortunately. Just kind of too booked up with too many board games and RPGs you wanted to do. But I know there was, looking at the schedule, there definitely was a huge amount of awesome panels uh, the whole weekend. Uh, I wish I could have attended, unfortunately. But either way, we did. We were able to catch some of the two of the big uh, live shows at nighttime. We saw that the Glass Cannon podcast uh, live show was freaking off the rails and ridiculous. Uh, that's definitely another awesome podcast if you haven't listened to. Uh, these guys play Pathfinder. Uh, they're just coming into some second edition stuff now for Pathfinder, but that is one of the one of the greatest podcasts out there, I think. Um, and then we also watched the uh, uh, Acquisitions Incorporated live show, also great um, uh, one night. Uh, but yeah, just good stuff there. Um, uh, I think James Upton got in some of the Mystery Magic uh, booster draft tournaments and or sealed events there, which is pretty cool. Uh, I cannot explain how ridiculous the vendor hall is. It is just this massive thing of epic proportions of all things gaming and is really a pleasure to walk around on. It just took kind of overwhelming, took a long time to kind of get through the whole thing. Um, you know, everything from clothes, you know, Norse Foundry dice. I mean, Wormwood Gaming, all that kind of great stuff is there. Uh, in addition to people demoing new games and lots of stuff I had definitely hadn't heard of before. And it's just really, 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 really cool. And took forever to get through, but definitely a super cool vendor hall, and definitely worth checking that out. Uh, but the, just the free play library for board games is also ridiculous—just unbelievable amount of things I never heard of. Um, and just the amount of physical t physical tables and chairs in this space that can hold like I don't know six six seven forty sevens in this massive uh, convention center hall. Walled like shoulder to shoulder, every single table with uh, people playing board games was just pretty, pretty awesome to uh, be in the middle of as well. Uh, on our end, we got, we got some games of like Sidereal Confluence, this crazy large trading game, uh, down to more something simple. This uh, number nine, it's pretty cool. You just stack a bunch of numbers up and get points. Tokyo Highway, Castles of Burgundy, Tiny Epic Defenders. Ended up playing a first edition Catacombs where you flick these little wooden discs in a dungeon crawl up in our hotel room. And I think end of the game where we're flicking little penguins again, playing that ice cool uh, board game, which is super fun. Uh, we did end up getting into a Call of Cthulhu RPG game uh, as well. Uh, we played with this uh, great, awesome guy, this guy Ed, who's running the game for us. Really fun game on the, the last day because we kind of missed it the second day because we just didn't quite get up early enough to get into the, this line that I was talking about before. We just couldn't get into the Call of Cthulhu game we wanted to get into. But again, did have an awesome game the last day uh, with that. We got up early enough to make it, which is really cool. This guy, Ed, was also playing in a Hyperborea game that was lasted like two full days. Uh, he was playing with a group that I got to talk to for a little bit beforehand also, which is really cool. It seems like they were playing one of the new um, uh, Zambala modules uh, that uh, Northland Adventures put out. Also super cool. Uh, let's check that out. Uh, but anyway, so what I want to talk about uh, mainly today, that was our ex main general experience of PAX. Again, can't 
think how awesome it was enough. Uh, just to let you guys know, it was just really fun. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to get to some of these interviews. Uh, we we ended up playing this game. Um, I was in a game with uh, Morgan Hazel, who's a referee. Does a huge amount of conventions uh, running Hyperborea, which has been awesome to be a part. I was in a, one of his games in a, a big Frederick gaming convention at Frederick, Maryland uh, last year. And he's just another one of the big proponents of the Hyperborea system currently. And I wanted to kind of get his thoughts and opinions on, you know, why he's running this game so much. Um, you know, what makes it interesting to him, who's been, again, a ref, ref and player in RPGs for a long time. And also some of the, some of the, I wanted to interview some of the players uh, in this game who have kind of either maybe just heard about Hyperborea or this might have been their first time seeing it at a convention or seeing it in general. And what their thoughts are on some of the systems, the, just the world setting, kind of get their thoughts too. And then again, I also got this awesome opportunity to interview Jeff Talanian. So he uh, he just he was kind of hanging out after the game too. We were just chatting a little bit, and yeah, just got to have some cool uh, info from him on some of the upcoming Northwind adventures, uh, maybe next steps, Kickstarter, things like that. So definitely got to listen to the interview to check that out. That's just a little sneak peek. Uh, but yeah, just hope you guys enjoy these interviews and some other thoughts and perspectives on why you might want to check out. Uh, astonishing swordsmen and sorcerers of Hyperborea. Also, last little thing on that. Right, before, so of course we're just coming off of this awesome game with Morgan, and I was super excited, and I was talking really, really fast, even faster than I am right now. Um, and just really, I was also uh, we were literally just set up some stuff on the table right after the game in the middle of the RPG free room. So you might hear a little background noise in the background, but th these are again all the other people playing awesome RPG games at the same time. So yeah, these interviews are really interesting for me, uh, just hearing some different perspectives about people who haven't you know, been playing Hyperbore as long as myself, and it was just kind of cool to hear some new, new thoughts and new people get into the game, what they had to think about uh, Morgan's game and just uh, RPGs in general, and how the system you know, is maybe a little something different than what they've been playing currently. So yeah, stay tuned and uh, check it out. Thanks for sticking around. So, hey, man, thanks for playing. I know we just played uh, this awesome game with Morgan, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it was um, really yeah, cool. Yeah, so what did you, you know, what, what was your, uh, super quick question, what was your first experience with RPGs in general? Uh, my first experience with RPGs was the uh, Blue Blue Home, Holmes Blue Book D&D &D in 1980. Nice. So you, so you have kind of that old school background. Oh, yeah, very you know, much so, very much so. And that's what uh, I has has always appealed to me about this game. And it was mm -hmm. one of the things, because I, I wasn't really aware of it until about six or seven months ago. Oh, okay, cool. Because uh, I was on, a, on an old school, on an OSR forum, and they were talking about it. And I grew up reading Robert E. Howard and Edgar Rice Burroughs and Fritz Lieber and H.P. Yeah, yeah. Lovecraft. Nice. And then, you know, when I walk into PAX Unplugged today and I see them set up at the booth, I was like, oh, yeah. So, and then, you know, I spent like a week trying to get signed up, uh, you know, like, you yeah, know, on yeah. the RPG Geek uh, boards. Mm -hmm, but for mm -hmm. some reason, it was blocked. So the first oh, thing I did when weird. I came in was sign in. I had a block thing. That's crazy. Which, so, which OSR forum were you on when you saw is oh, it, uh, it was. Uh, it's good. It was, a, it was an old Facebook group. It's a, it's a Facebook group. Okay, so, cool. So, nice. But uh, they they had mentioned it. But uh, yeah, no, it was great fun. And it lived. Uh, this was the first time I actually played it, mm -hmm. and you know, it's a testament to its ease of use. Yeah. And the yeah, skilled yeah. design, uh, that uh, it was very literally <laughs> plug and play, and we're, it was. It, just... You know, it, it felt great, it yeah. felt like I was ten or eleven years old again. You know, and having a, having a blast. So. I say, yeah. So one of the typical questions I've been asking is like, you know, what. Yeah, what makes you want to play this versus some more like current school systems? But I guess since you have that background with sort of the same rule set, it just it just flowed right into the. Yeah, same. it's it's almost like it's a it's a natural fluency. I mean, you know, I I play I play a lot of you know I've played some five e and mm -hmm. uh, you know I, 
when it comes to D and D, I never got beyond second edition. But uh, you know, you, knew the, the D tw- you just kind of skipped the D twenty. I skipped yeah. I skipped all of that. You know, and you know when I'm not playing, uh, you know, uh, first edition D and am playing a Gamma World second edition or Star Frontiers or Boot Hill. Interesting. So cool. yeah, nice. You know, nice. So it's, it's real old school, but yeah, it was great fun, and I really enjoyed it. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, you know diving through the uh, the massive tome uh, it, <laughs> that I picked it is up a, and it is a, is a and uh, running some adventures <laughs> for some uh, my friends and uh, my my kids. No, so it'll awesome. be great fun. Hey, also, did you just let you know that you know, ASSH has a good. Sorry, I, I say ASSH all the time. That's my. I don't know. Some people say Hyperborea. Uh, obviously, astonishing swordsman, sources of Hyboric. It's, it's a mouthful. That's okay. It's good. Um, but you know, it has, it has a really cool online forum. If you're doing like D, DM stuff, there's like this board host uh, website you can go to. You check that out. I did not know that. Now that I do, that I it's a and really I really cool. Check that out for I think sure. one of the coolest things is like it's such a small group, and and the creator of the game is very active on the forum. Unlike I, I think other games, which is amazing. I so. like I like that when it happens. I mean, there's another game I play, Kids on Bikes, mm-hmm. and you know, the co-creators are really involved in that in their Facebook group mm-hmm. so like if you drop a question in usually like Doug is like the first to answer so I'm going to put nice. you to the test there <laughs> yeah Jeff <laughs> so. is standing in the background here during this interview which is hilarious uh did, um oh any uh so do, you know essentially uh, Morgan playing today uses a lot of miniatures in games have you always done that in the past how about your thought on minis versus not I know a lot of, it's old school rules kind of in between right no you know minis I think it's a personal preference uh, I've got a collection of minis they mm-hmm. they sit on a shelf yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've always just preferred using the pencil and paper. Nice. Uh, but, you know, nice. having the minis uh, in this session, I think, really expanded the impact and, and the overall effect. Especially because Warren's got a million amazing minis for every exact thing he wants to throw out, which is really cool. Uh, any random dice stories or favorite dice that you grew up with? Oh, favorite dice stories. Let's see. There was a time when I was, uh, after years of uh, cradling and, and, and nurturing my, uh, my, my gnome... Uh, thief. Uh, I ended up in a one campaign just rolling nothing but ones and threes and fives, and I regret losing her to that red dragon because of those really <laughs> bad rolls. <laughs> no, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, well, yes, yeah, so, yeah, I have some other. If, if you had the, some hyper experience, I was going to ask you about cool places. And we talked about some of the setting in the the world like a little bit today. But do you have any any things that like jumped off as you was about interesting like world? Oh well, I mean, places? you know, in the game in the game that Morgan was running, you know, when the minute the uh, the you know the the men of Mew showed up, I, I you know, folks that I know these, I read this story, yeah, yeah. I know what these are. But uh, and then but and there was one another part of this of this of this session today was you know the inside the cavern and with the steel walls and i was thinking this has got to be a spaceship know, and of right? course see, after yep, the yep. fact it turns out you know it's Mego. <laughs> so i was like ah oh perfect what a wonderful blending no good stuff very cool yeah yeah i, I had a blast playing with you too matt I likewise know. i enjoyed yeah. it no, easy. yeah cool it's matt moore philadelphia sounds good thanks yeah <laughs> hey man hey uh tim campbell richmond virginia nice what do you think man I know assh was something Something new. You said so. First, you're new to this too, right? Yes, yes, I am. I do. I will admit, I do have the PDF of this. Uh-huh. I bought it um, quite a while ago, well before uh, coming here. This is also my first PAX mm-hmm. uh, time being here, but I never had the chance to run it. And the reason being is that the type of players that I run for, they've known me for since basically I've been running games since about 2007, yeah, 2008. Yeah. So usually something has to impress me or I have to connect with a game for me to really be able to push it to my players mm-hmm. because they hate learning new well, yeah, things. You're right. the, ref, the referee's <laughs> got to be into the game or you're not going to play a good game. Yeah, exactly. And 
with this being the first time I played it, this reminds me a lot back when I was in school back in 2007, you know, similar to what mm -hmm. he was talking about, where I was running those games and it was so very simple. Everything just came naturally. The story felt like it came naturally. The character came naturally and brought me back to being a kid again, basically, mm -hmm. to repeat what he said earlier. But it's very palpable in this situation, I would say. Good stuff. Good stuff. How about uh, yeah? So so yeah, you you obviously played a lot of these different games. What um, yeah, I, I, same same question for you. I'm I'm really interested about miniatures because you know it's the same thing. We always yeah. go, go. I was always back and forth, you know, and well playing and DMing and stuff like that. When I think? first started, when I first started running games, I didn't have the money for miniatures, mm -hmm. so theater of the mind was the big thing. And there is a certain bit of, and I am purposely um, paraphrasing this to an extent that. I firmly believe that a person's imagination will make a creature 10 times more palpable or and frightening than a mini ever could. Yeah. But yeah. I will also say this, there is an old school vibe. There is a type of warmth that kind of comes into my heart to have those old minis. You know, it's something as iconic as, um, and you know, as seeing the owlbear oh, pop yeah. up yeah. from back in the day the or, you know, seeing like that. Yeah. Exactly. Seeing those. Oh, there, I still remember the first time I actually saw a, um, hobgoblin miniature in my first game that i played and you know you get memories like that from those so i would say it's great to have them but i don't think you need them to have an amazing experience mm -hmm. good stuff yeah and, and then uh yeah last thing any, any fun dice stories or favorite dice you had growing oh let's see here um when it comes to dice probably my favorite uh set that i have is um this blue and black metal dice that i have and the d20 is one of the hardest things that i've ever <laughs> held in my hand it's very heavy and one day um when i was when i was uh playing and I can't remember exactly the character I was playing, but I took this dice and I rolled it because we were just so in the moment. I do remember the fight, though. We were fighting a bunch of these um, <clears throat> cultists. They were trying to kill this psychic character that I had. And so I threw it practically at him and coincidentally critted and took out three models that I ended up killing <laughs> with, with that attack. So a little bit of a corny, but I think kind of funny, awesome story Good with stuff. that there. Great. No, good stuff, man. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. again, uh, thank you so much, man, for uh, playing this with me. I I loved it. And if I could, I'd go get it right now. <laughs> but I uh, got one in his backpack. He could sell you right now. Well, okay. I'm cool with it. But anyway, thank you. Yeah, great playing with you guys. Appreciate it. Definitely. Hey, man. Hey. I'm going to sit down. Tone it down a little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can sit down. <clears throat> More romantic. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. So I'm uh, yeah, so, Robbie so Fiotto from uh, Boston. Mm-hmm. And, oh, Boston, nice. Uh, yeah. Sound for cool. Good deal. Yeah, so so you you've had what was what was your RPG experience growing up too? Uh so I got started with uh with AD&D with second mm -hmm. edition um back in the 90s. I uh, loved it. Played <laughs> played it just tons and tons. And then I kind of uh, uh fell out of the hobby and missed like third edition and fourth edition. Mm -hmm. And uh I recently got back into it. Had some friends that were playing and like uh you know Pathfinder fifth edition mm -hmm. and uh I found myself like missing the stuff that i grew up with yeah, yeah. um and there's that party where you're like is this like am i making this up right is it like that my childhood was that good or like the games were it's actually that good it's just the nostalgia yeah and yeah. you know you got to go back into the well to find out and it turns out that uh there's there's a lot of stuff out there now that's you know keeping that alive mm -hmm. and thank god 
I know. It's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah uh, how about for you? How about minis for you? Uh, did you play so minis a lot growing up? Or did you I, we never played with minis much. Um, like, I, I think that uh, there was one uh, like hey. one session that we ran where it was like the seven samurai type, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, village is completely surrounded and there's like endless waves of whatever. And we're like, all right, like we got to keep track of this. Um, we used to play in this uh, this game store out in Worcester where uh, they did a lot of the... Um, uh, like the the actual like miniatures war games, yeah. And yeah, so we yeah. just like looted like the the boxes in back there, and we're like, all right, let's just like put these to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never owned minis, I never never really yeah. used them. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, so so, so are, have you always been a player? Do you ref, referee some games? Do you a little bit of make? I I've run a lot more games than I've played. Uh, I love playing. Uh, you know, I mean, this stuff is, is fantastic. Um, you know, I mean, I I kind of. I like the mix, <laughs> right? Yeah, you yeah. don't want all the one. Do a lot of work. <laughs> it's like let's, let's just relax and play a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, like even as far as running the games, like uh, like this this style of game we were playing today, where it's just sort of like, all right, here's here's a bunch of stuff. Here's a really interesting setting. Uh, you know, if the you know you're running the game, you have an idea in your mind of like where it's going to go, mm-hmm. and then it just sort of unfolds in a different direction. You're like, all right, that's cool because I'm also like really into what's going on over there, and you just kind of roll with it. Uh, and I think that that's like that's my favorite kind of game, right? Yeah. Where like uh, running it, I'm really invested in the setting and I have a lot to say about whatever it is the players want to get into mm-hmm. or like playing in it. Uh, I feel like I'm not a spectator, right? Like yeah. that, you know, like I'm kind of driving my own decisions. They matter and you take it in the direction you want to yeah. go. Especially have a nice willing uh, referee to kind of let us go off, yeah. off the rails. Yeah. No, it was brilliant. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think that's fair, right? It wasn't off the rails because there were rails. Actually, it was you, just you like pre-planned the, uh, the <laughs> yeah, shoot. yeah, the offshoots, yeah. Did, so, do you, do you guys do any um, online games? Like, so did you know, like this, uh, there is an ASSH ro- uh, character sheet on Roll Twenty. Uh, oh, cool, yeah, know. yeah. So, the, uh, one of the again, one of the guys on the forum did the sort of coding for that. And it, just so you guys know, it's up there, which is pretty cool. So, I don't know if you've had a lot of. I, I haven't messed around with Roll Twenty. Uh, I'm running a game uh, with with some of my um, mm-hmm. my friends from school. And uh, the way we're doing it, it's like uh, we have like the the video chat and then Slack and yeah, like a whiteboard Slack, yeah. Yeah. that we can just like draw stuff out on, right? Because mm-hmm. that's like the kind of games that I like to run. You have like a piece of paper in front of you, and you just kind of like sketch things out to like you know when you, when it's more uh, when it's better communication to show something than than to try and yeah, describe it's just, it. It's hard to describe. Yeah, and it's yeah. like okay, well, we can get all those things online. And uh, I think at some point I'd get like the 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 roll 20 and figure it out and like put in the time but uh i was actually like the game i've been running is like basic dungeons and dragons like the the 1981 dungeons and dragons yeah, yeah. and uh i wanted to like not use roll 20 because a lot of my players are really familiar and comfortable with like third edition and fifth edition yeah. and they want like a really intense rules framework mm-hmm. and i'm like well let's just take all that away let's like give you less tools yeah. so that you have to like come up with the ideas yourself it's not like i'm gonna use this thing it's like I'm going to I'm going to yeah. use this idea huh. uh, and I don't know how well it's working, but I'm having fun. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Anything, anything, you know, we could, again, we just tweaked into the world setting a little bit. What do you think? Yeah. Is cool? What do you think is a cool? I mean, this uh, I, I love the setting, right? Uh, I'm a huge Robert E. Howard fan um, going way back. Uh, uh, you know, like all the other stuff, the like uh, the Clark Ashton Smith and and H.P. Uh, Lovecraft yeah, influence yeah. is fantastic. Uh, I think there's also this this aspect of it where um, when I was uh, when I was running AD and D back in the '90s, uh, you would uh, put something in front of your players. You would like describe to them what they were seeing, and the the reaction would be, "Oh my God, what's that?" And um, coming back into it and playing Fifth Edition, 
everybody knows everything already, right? And like, just, yeah. yeah, you you win by being the least impressed, right? It's like everyone's New Yorkers. And so uh, I kind of like that this kind of shakes that up and it's like, okay, well, let's put you in a different setting where maybe like you don't already know everything and the point isn't to like be the most well-versed mm -hmm. in all the lore. So like even, you know, you know H.P. Lovecraft or, or Clark Ashton Smith or whatever, like it's not, like that's not relevant, right? You're still dealing with, with what's yeah. in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Wait. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome playing with you guys. Yeah, today. cheers. It was a lot yeah, of fun. Definitely. Definitely. So, I know so, um, oh my gosh, Phil? Yes. Phil, yeah, geez. <laughs> yeah, so, so you, you said you did, you did not have like the sort of first edition D&D old school experience? I, uh, no, so I, let's see. I did like way back when I was a kid, um, we did like sort of our own like homebrew D&D mm -hmm. where we like created our own character classes, like had fun doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then I went to a super broy college and sort of fell out of the uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fell out of the like RPG uh, bandwagon, and then got uh, really into board games in, back again yeah, yeah. in law school. Classic. Like back into it with uh, mm -hmm. a pretty solid crew there, and then RPGs really have only been the last like couple of, like two or three years that I've been like getting back into them. Mm -hmm. awesome. um, but it's been a lot of fun. I mean, cool. discovering all the new stuff and. There's like a, a huge yeah. community now yeah. too. And it's like, it's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's finally cool again. Right. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and much bigger than like when I was growing up in, you know, the middle of the Midwest and like small town, Michigan. Mm -hmm. So. I was thinking the, um, yeah. And you, you guys usually play just local. I mean, obviously you haven't done the like online scattering, trying to get games in all the time. And you guys have a pretty like local group now you're using. You're doing with RPGs or it's all the same people or you have a good rotation. Or? Um, we're doing, so we've actually, we've got a, the law school crew we sort of spread out to like the big legal markets yeah so yeah. we do the one online still yeah, and then gotcha. I, cool. I have like friends that i play with in new york my sister's actually also super into this stuff mm -hmm. she's she's the one that's in like a vampire or a mage game right now interesting so um yeah people i have people that i play with in new york too oh, cool yes yeah, i was telling her but you know check out the forum check out the you know the um it is a roll twenty. If you guys are in, into that, you know they, they, they've put the some teams put the work in to do the character sheets there. Yeah, definitely um, want to check. Yeah, it out. any cool dice stories for you? It's kind of end end close here. Any fun uh, um, favorite RPG physical material that you, you've always had that pencil case from nineteen ninety three. Oh man, no, I just like um, uh, I don't know if Robbie told you, but he's like a big like rule book collector. Oh, okay. He's got like a okay. whole bookshelf of them, so I, I've all, sort of all the things. Yeah, so I've I've actually sort of started like getting into that because there's just like so much cool like lore and art mm -hmm. in these things. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, nothing that really carried over from oh, back something. in my back in my heyday. Oh, he's probably pulling something out. What is that? Oh, the packs. Oh, the packs oh, dice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's oh, that's cool. Right? There's, there's no fourth die. Thirty-six. It's perfect. I'll remember that. I think it's like the fifty-dollar. Aluminum yeah. cast like uh, that's die, sweet. yeah. That's sweet, cool. L last question is, you know, and I know s something that's kind of come up in the industry in the tabletop scene currently is, you know, just obviously games being inclusive, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Pax is big about that. You know, a lot of people, uh, online communities, you know, but I, you know, I, I don't want to say like some old school rules games have more stigma as being maybe less inclusive to newer players. You know, like where Fifth Edition is really kind of, I don't say, you know, it's just a great, sort of awesome system. Um, but just kind of your thoughts on like, do you think old school rules are still have the option to be inclusive? I mean, Hyperborea has a huge, you know, racial diversity, which I think is awesome actually, which is pretty interesting. And it's just not a, while some of the old school writers had a little undertones of racism and things like that sometimes maybe. Just yeah. What are your thoughts on? Uh, yeah, no, for sure. I think it's, um, I mean, there's like a huge like potential community and I think it's great that, um, 
they're doing sort of a better job trying to like make narratives and worlds that are more interesting to more people. And I think that's actually more interesting for like, like diversity is not just for like the, you know, the, the classically diverse people. Like it makes it more interesting for all the players. Yeah. Like I, I am like, if it was just like, you know, D and D and like Tolkien esque universes, I'd be pretty bored after a few sessions, like having, having like new interesting worlds, concepts, like bringing in fresh ideas, I think is like incredibly valuable to the community at large. So I'm like completely in favor of it. And I think it's good. I think there's a long way to go for sure. Um, but I think, I think people are now more open to it and can sort of like see how that's benefiting the space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, good stuff. Cool. Yeah. Guys, it was a blast. I had fun. Yeah. Was awesome. Appreciate it. Cool. Thanks man. All right. Great to meet you. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Hello, Morgan. Thanks so much for running an, another awesome game. This is my second game with you. You know, I played with you at a big Frederick Gaming Convention last year, which was awesome. Um, but yeah, so have you have you always been the GM? Always been a, been a player? Sometimes. What's your? I know obviously you do a huge amount of refereeing for Hyperborea right now. But what was kind of your background? Yeah, I would say probably at home. Um, I'm about fifty fifty. So. Um, there's another fellow in our group that runs uh, Saturday games, mm-hmm. and uh, I run every other Friday night. And for the last seven years, of course, it's been Astonishing Swordsman. Yeah. But uh, and I prefer uh, at conventions to run that game as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may run a few others, and we've experienced a few others as a gaming group. But uh, this is by far uh, my favorite. Good stuff. And, and then w- which are, uh, have you played a huge amount of role-playing games? I know you mentioned you had some like fourth edition experience for quite a while. Um, I had, what, what I've played in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, ran Champions, which is a hero system for mm-hmm. probably 20 years. We, yeah. we play Fantasy Age. Uh, we've uh, uh, played, of course, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, White Box. That's what I started with. Yeah. And then um, played a lot of Hollow Earth Expedition for that kind of a pulp game. Okay. Uh, Indiana Jones style of uh, playing nice, uh, Barbarians of Lemuria. We've played a lot of one shots of that. So I do. I like different systems, and mm-hmm. I think probably if I um, never bought another system, I still wouldn't get played all the games that I own. Yeah, because I'm, like, I'm a junkie <laughs> when it comes to that type of thing. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, and I know obviously you're you're big on the miniatures. You know, have you always always used miniatures in your games, or did you kind of? Part of the, I guess, part of the psyche of our game group mm-hmm. is wanting to, before we can make a decision, we have to know where everything is. So sure. the theater of the mind was never a <laughs> couldn't exactly like call out. It was like a quickly enough very to, uh, small space for us. So we quickly moved to miniatures, um, uh, even if sometimes they're just dice on the table or pennies or something yeah. like that. Or just locating on a general. But map. it allows yeah. us to uh, to better visualize what's going mm-hmm. on. That's cool. Uh, yeah, how about any, any favorite dice stories for you? Any like, and you have those awesome metal dice. For, have you had those for a long time? You know, what's, I what's uh, your, uh, I really feel dice? like you can't play a sword and sorcery game with plastic dice. So you really <laughs> have to phone. upgrade to something that's as dangerous <laughs> as the game you're playing. So get some metal dice or that's go right. home. Basically, uh, especially for a referee, that thump on the table. Yeah, is I mean that's impressive. Powering. It's an extra like roll uh, a two pound metal die at somebody. Uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, how about how about uh so so you obviously you have you know much more familiar with the, the Hyperborea world setting in the, in the background the whole you know the books what what's a place like if you were you know being a player in a Hyperborea game which which spot would you want to explore the most 
That's on the current world map. Well, uh, in real life, I'm pretty much a coward. So <laughs> there's really nowhere on Hyperborea as me that I would there. ever want to go. But I think I'm really a country boy. So I really, my favorite races are the primitive races, like the Picts okay. and the Celts. So I would want to explore that a little, uh, those those areas. Mm-hmm. New Pickland yep. and uh, uh, those type of places that are wild and mm-hmm. You know, uncivilized. Cool, cool. That's good. Um, how about so? So obviously, you know, you've been, you know, again, very, very supportive of the game, and you know, with the Kickstarters and like that. What, what do you think about, you know, now seeing the great? I, I think the great production value of the Kickstarter materials, just the physical books, these modules that you know, Northern Adventures is putting out. I mean, what? How do you think those they compare to some of the other game system content that you're seeing in the market? Well, I think they. Uh, I think the quality of the the adventure modules that you would get from Northwind, they fall in a very narrow range at the top of the quality scale. They don't. Uh, so you, they're not going to be all over the place. You're not going to luck out and get a good one. You're going to get a good one. Yeah. Uh, you might like one better than the other, but they're all going to be top notch uh, from a standpoint of um story and uh visual quality and editing and and that sort of thing it's a great consistency i think too you know it just it's just layout is, is some, you know the same all the time and i think for you know, myself as well included being a referee you know you just see that oh yeah this is how it works you can kind of breeze through that and really get to the gut of the adventure it's just right i feel like yeah. that's the word consistency and it's very consistent at the the top of the uh, uh the bar mm-hmm so how, about, so how about for some of those people out there who like haven't read H.P. Lovecraft, haven't read Clark Ashton Smith? You know, how, do, you, do you think this game still still works for them? Do you think they're going to get still have a good time? And you know, I think it's a style of play. So if it's uh, it's far more energetic play, it's far more uh, pulpy kind of play, and you don't have to read uh, those various authors to get that. It's dangerous. You can die. Yeah. And once you <laughs> absorb that style of play, that's mm-hmm. an exciting kind of thing. So my character survived tonight. Yeah. High risk, know, high reward. High it's, risk, it's, high reward. Yeah. Yep. But what it does do, if you haven't read those authors, you go, where did this come from? And you go back and you want to read them. Uh, I had read Conan stories. I had read, you know, a very smattering, small smattering of H.P. Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Never even heard of Clark Ashton Smith or the other characters that Robert E. Howard had written. Like mm-hmm. Solomon Kane and and um, uh, Brand McMorn and those type, and so the game actually uh, inspired me to go out and read those uh, authors and those stories and those characters, and that just enhanced my ability to be able to run the game even more. Yeah, yeah, I, I was in the same boat because yeah, I read a little bit of H.P. Lovecraft, like barely, you know, uh, some Robert E. Howard stuff. But yeah, it was just the same thing. I wanted to read like all the H.P. Lovecraft stories all of a sudden and just right. get all, you know. I think that was. Because I know there's, there's so many like little nuanced references like all over the place that you know Dagon or you know you see some of these things you know. Well, I felt kind of dumb because at first you know I would go, wait a minute, the name of this I think that's from the story. Have I seen that? Yeah. So I'd like email Jeff and I go, this is this, and you go, yeah, that was that. So I go, <laughs> got it. I felt, one. I felt like I had really you know I caught him. Yeah. You know, but it yeah. Uh, it was a uh, it was just unveiled a whole new mm-hmm. uh, uh, just a whole new style of writing and whole new. Uh, thing for me so yeah uh good stuff so, yeah so, so, Mor- so morgan so you're obviously in a lot of the different convention scenes what, what are your next uh, upcoming conventions you're going to be at running games and stuff um this year i'll be at uh big frederick con and i always go to origins and gen con mm-hmm. uh, i'm going to try to get to total con this year and cool. gary con so nice. it'll be a busy convention season this year one of the neat things about astonishing swordsman 
was that I had never run a, con, a convention game mm-hmm. uh, until I got uh, Sanshing Swords. And my first uh, con that I ran uh, a game at was Gary Con. Mm-hmm. And I was scared to death because uh, I just thought I was a doofus GM. <laughs> and so I, I went and I learned so much from other GMs and, mm-hmm. and the quality of, of, of refereeing at, at that convention. And then um, I just found my feet. And then I really enjoyed running the convention game uh, because there's no consequences after the four hours are done. Yeah, but running the convention game as much as I did in my group at home. And so uh, for me, it was just a whole new avenue of fun in a yeah, hobby that I've yeah. had for 30 years. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's great. Yeah, it's very busy. I, I will not be making it to that many, unfortunately. But that's really cool. That's great. Um, yeah, I don't know. Any other just parting thoughts about the world or you know, just why really why it's become your sort of go-to at this point? Well, it's my go-to. I think the, um, uh, when folks are developing worlds um, and authors write about worlds for RPG games, I think they try too much to fill in all the, uh, all the edges and don't leave anything to the referee mm-hmm. uh, to be able to figure out on their own. And mm-hmm. so part of, the neat, uh, part of the neat thing about the world uh, that Jeff has presented uh, in Hyperborea is there's so many white spaces that you can fill in as a referee. And uh, whether he did that on purpose or it was just mad genius or, you know, whatever. So, but I'm, I'm able to make Hyperborea mine very easily. Yeah, and yeah. I don't, I can pick it up and play very quickly without feeling like, gosh, I need to read this volume of material to be an expert in the world before I start. Yeah. And you don't have to do that. Yeah, something, yeah, it's just like the little, you know, there's a huge amount of named dots and places on the map. But there's just like a little paragraph about, like, kind of everything. You right. Know, but it's just, yes, yeah, just enough to get you going. But then, yeah, you're right. I think it gives us the flexibility to, you know, just run with that however you want to do it, which I thought yep. was really cool. Yep. Yeah, it's like not, you're right, not everything's flush, completely flushed out. But that's, the, I mean, been part of the point. You know, which makes just, it perfect, actually, It's, it's just me. like right on. I know that's what drew me to, to, to just the, this, like, very thought out and, and uh, cohesive world setting, but yeah, but still mm-hmm. just completely open. Uh, and to be honest with you, uh, the game itself, I mean, I've played it for seven years now. So when I first started playing it, it really renewed my my interest and my the fire mm-hmm. in my hobby. I mean, mm-hmm. I was, you know, we had played champions for 20 years and we were yeah. like, oh, yeah. Some didn't you, you know, yeah. I don't want to. And, and it, just, it just hit a home run with me to reignite my interest in this hobby. Oh, good stuff. As we would say, a little fire, blood, and steel. You know. <laughs> no, cool, Morgan. I really appreciate it. Again, Thank you very I had a blast much, playing this game. Was awesome. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's great. Thanks for uh, coming on this little interview. I really appreciate it. It's cool. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm not gonna. Lie, I'm super excited. This is maybe weird for me, but Jeff, I really, it's awesome that you can. Uh, willing to come interview uh, for second thank you for having me and thank Absolutely. you for running the uh the wonderful podcast that you do it's a uh, great testament to the game and you do a uh, great job uh conveying the mystery and danger of hyperborea so i appreciate what you do zach oh, I, that, that's, that's that makes me feel really good i really appreciate that jeff <laughs> so i mean like i said it's, it's been a blast for me i think just this world setting is just awesome but you know what what was um first question for you today is you know what what really like kicked it off like man i, re- I really have this idea like how do i how do, how do you, from a game designer, say, instead of just from little piddlings on paper and late whiskey conversations at night, you know, what really, like, got you motivated to really start to produce this game? Well, um, I had been working with Gary Gygax for some years until his untimely passing. Yeah. And after Gary passed away, all my, um, my work that I was working on with him 
was all the um, all the publications were the castle, essentially canceled. Uh, the castle Zaggy. Yeah, yeah. So I was at a position where I was uh, had to make a decision on what I wanted to do next. Did I wanted to continue to freelance uh, design uh, games and adventures for other publishers, or try to you know branch out on my own and yeah. do my own thing? So I decided mm-hmm. that there was a style of play that I really enjoyed and fiction that I really enjoyed uh, emulating in my games that I really wanted to embrace. Mm-hmm. And I would say that I, I sort of had an epiphany when I was reading an H.B. Lovecraft story called The Shadow Out of Time. Yeah, And yeah. in The Shadow Out of Time, Lovecraft, um, in his sort of, uh, you know, very uh, evocative way that he would blend things together brought together the works of Robert E. Howard and Clark Ashton Smith and I was a big fan of all their works sort of blending it into one theory in which these things sort of all blend and make a sort of so it it came to me that I would love to have a world that sort of blends those various elements interesting yeah and so um my my major influences for creating Hyperborea were probably first and foremost the works of Clark Ashton Smith, but also the sort of barbaric ferocity and danger of Robert E. Howard's uh, various worlds, whether it was uh, Culls Atlantis or Brand McMorn's Picts or, you know, or uh, Solomon Kane's Adventures in Africa or, of course, Conan the Barbarian yeah. in the Hyborian Age. And... Um, in the Hyborian age, there was also a land called Hyperborea. So the so the Hyperborea, you know, it, it has its roots in Greek mythology. It literally mm-hmm. means beyond the north wind. And um, <clears throat> blending these things together, uh, these various elements into one sword and sorcery themed game was something that I was really inspired to do. Uh, basically, you know, I've seen other people, other uh, publishers, whatever, say that it's a sword and sorcery game, mm. but then it has hobbits in it. And so I always think yeah, to myself, yeah. it re- can't really be Pulp Fiction, sword and sorcery, if it has hobbits running around in it. It's like, yeah, not, not committing to you know, one direction. <laughs> right. So you have to really commit, you know. And yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, how, how obviously you've, you've created this massive volume of content, which is, you know, amazing. But like, like we were talking before with Morgan, you know, just still scratches the surface of the world, you know, and it gives you the flexibility. You know, how long do you think you really spent like writing, you know, even the first edition books and just kind of curious from a game, you know, game design perspective, creating a depth of an RPG like this? Sure. Yeah. The, so the first, uh, the box set, it probably took me a little over two years yeah. to write the original edition of the game. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you guys talked a little bit before to Mor- uh, when you were speaking with Morgan about um, sort of the brevity of the presentation. But, you know, you, s- you try to um, evoke some flavor in various parts of Hyperborea, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but not like have to be uh, a historian on the setting and its, his- you know, complete history. Yeah. And that that is by intent. It is yeah, the it design. In fact, yeah. if, you, if you look at the map, you will find that there are a lot of settlements that are unlabeled. Mm-hmm. And that's by intent as well, so that the individual referee can say, hey, I'm going to take this little part on the map and I'm going to make it my own. I'm going to create a culture here, um, a history, some tragedy, whatever yeah. the case may be. Yeah, no, that's great. So, so how has been, uh, you know, from a game design perspective also, like has been, has been Kickstarter been easy, great, you know, fine to work with, any ups and downs? 
Kickstarters? Yeah, just in general with the Kickstarter process and how well, I mean, yeah, it's been it, pretty it, successful it, for you. I mean, it was definitely yeah. a learning curve mm-hmm. at the beginning, but I have more of a process that I've developed, especially after the uh, some of the mistakes from the first one that we ran. Um, <clears throat> I think we're up to our eighth one now. And um, so we like to take pride in the fact that we deliver on time or as close to on time as possible within a month or so, yeah. but usually yeah, on time or before. And that's because we try to do all the work in advance. The writing, uh, almost all of the editing usually, most of the art, cover art. So what you, once you have those things in your back pocket, it's easier to ask people if they'd like to slap down their hard-earned money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you get in touch with all the artists that, you know, that, that uh, contribute uh, to, to your work? It was, it's been a combination of things. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some that I got to know personally through gaming, others that I liked their stuff, so I looked them up and contacted them, and others that solicited me. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, like like Monkey Blood in UK doing the map work, which has been amazing. Yes. That's one of my favorite parts. You know, just I actually have an architecture background, so like all the maps have just been fantastic. I mean, everything is just is really cool, and it's even the description to your level, so yes. the architecture <clears throat> in, the, in the in the cities that again just just hammer you know, keep right. Hammer home for well, me. we do try to do a. Um, a combination of present presentation with the maps. We have mm-hmm. the artistic style maps that, yep. that uh, Glenn Seal does for mm-hmm. us. But we also do the computer-generated style as well, which is more the hex crawl type of stuff. And that's yep. the stuff that Andreas Claren does for mm-hmm. us. And then you had kind of like the, you had like a, in the Mystery Port Greeley module, you have a kind of that top-down view of Port Greeley, which yeah, is sort yeah. of axonometric, you know, yes. kind of be a little mix. Mixing that's a little bit of an bit. isometric yeah. present, presentation in that mm-hmm. one, yes. It's fun. He has a huge variety and all the yeah, but again, there's a lot of variety, but still that consistency that I think makes these products, in my opinion, just a great. I mean, great production value and the fact that they're on time has been amazing. We try to well. do that because one of the design goals of a lot of our adventures is ease of use for the referee, mm-hmm. because we know people are busy; they yep. don't have time to <laughs> absorb all this material. Um, they may give it a casual reading, but not remember everything that they read. And at some point, you're going to sit down at your game table with a group of players in front of you, and they're going to um, take a left turn where you didn't expect them take a left turn yeah and you need to be able to process the information at that encounter area in a way that is easy for you Mm -hmm. so that comes with our sort of judicious use of what what um terms that we choose to bold face yep what we italicize what we show at the beginning of an an encounter Mm -hmm. as opposed to at the end of the encounter yeah and all that is intended to convey information easily mm-hmm. so that it's understood yeah like when like it's like the the the, uh, the big bad has the wand of paralysis is bolded because he probably will use that against the pcs you know sure, or something yeah. like that yeah it's just a fun but it's also the gear he has so make sure you don't forget it right and, you know, drops it, it, yeah part of the part of what we do to consistently do that is we do have a style guide and so yeah. using a style guide allows you to reference things and do global searches on things to help you mm-hmm. find terms or whatever it may be yeah and you d- and present things consistently throughout your published works yeah yeah they actually i'm thinking about style guy and like even the bookmark pdfs are you know amazing you know a lot of people i don't say go, going away from hardbacks but it, i just can't get away from the hardback feel personally sure but i mean yeah the bookmark pdfs i think are very user-friendly very searchable and the di- digital contents i think just as oh, top-notch as the hard copy content for what it's oh, that's nice so to i don't hear. know how much Thank you. i don't know how much works to put into that but i know it's a ton yeah it is it's, it's a little like bit of extra big. work it's so, a different yeah. you know process yeah. A lot of InDesign page linking. This guy, <laughs> right? 
Oh yeah, do you want to talk about your current Kickstarter? So I just got the PDFs in the, in the email, which is fantastic. So I oh, great! Yes. one of those, which is awesome. So, uh, uh, so yeah, what, just so your current your current one that uh, just the one that we're about yeah. to fulfill. Yes. Yeah. Well, we technically we already started fulfill, to fulfill it yeah. because we did the electronic fulfilling already, yeah. which was two months early, which is a nice, which is pretty cool. Little nice, Black Friday uh, present right. for uh, <clears> yeah. Um, so two adventure modules. Uh-huh. Uh, one is called uh, the Sea Wolf's Daughter. That one's by myself, and another one called the Lost Treasure of Atlantis, which is. Um, by a man who goes by the name of Chainsaw. Uh, He runs, he's been running um, adventures at uh, various conventions for years now. He's a fantastic game referee. So uh, two different adventure modules. Um, All of our adventure modules take place in various parts of Hyperborea. So not only are they like an adventure, it's also a site-based presentation. So it might detail a town or some location that adds a little bit of flavor to the setting. Yep, it just keeps expanding. Yeah, it's a good way to expand it over time. But not too much. You know, we we don't want to, you know, bowl you over with history lessons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. Uh, Let's see. So uh, also, so you recently were in um, L.A. for the uh, Founders and Legends event. Yeah, that was quite a quite an honor and pleasure. Yes. Yeah. I was curious how how, you know did you get invited? Did you know? I know you do have a connection with uh, yeah. I do have a close connection with Luke, and Luke asked me if I would like to go, and I said sure. He's like, like, (laughs) it was actually the Wednesday before the um, the event, and he and he said, (laughs) what do you think about coming to L.A. this weekend? So I said, "Um, let me ask my wife and see if we can make this happen, and she gave me the green light. So. Off I went. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. How was that game? You know, I was fine. I think I, I saw it and then I was like trying to find it on Twitch and I don't know if it was actually recorded your game. Yes, I was trying to find it, it was, later. but I, I think it's on there somewhere on Twitch. So I, okay, yeah, I was I a player in a it. game run yes, by Stefan Pacorni yeah. who yeah. used all his Dwarven Forge uh, stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Cool. It was a classic yeah. AD&D uh, dungeon crawl adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you meet anybody else? I mean, say, I think it seems like you met like Satine Phoenix or Deborah Ann Wall recently, you know? Yeah, it was... You know, it was it was fantastic. I, yeah. you know, I, um, I met so many interesting people that I had never met before. You know, and there were, you know, it was in a small Hollywood studio, mm-hmm. um, and so it was all, but it was professionally lit, and, yeah, and uh, the sound and engineering behind it. So, and um, you know, one of the coolest things about it was that they invited the band Gygax. So yeah. the band yeah. Gygax was there. They're sort of like a um, sort of like a sludge, uh, <laughs> heavy metal, really like uh, riff-oriented sort of uh, band, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and all their all their songs, the material is based on fantasy and D and D, and so they had the band there, and they uh, every time they were in. Every time we were in between events, mm-hmm. they would play a couple of songs Smack from their new yeah. album. Nice. So it was pretty fantastic. You know, you, you know, D&D playing live on camera, you know, heavy metal band right there next to you. They go like as soon as something ends, boom, they start their next yeah, song. Yeah. So it was pretty well done. That's really cool. It's a lot really of fun. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so any, what's next for uh, Northwood Adventures products? Do you, have, you think next, next uh, Kickstarter, more modules? Do you have any other plans for kind well, of Well, we, we're, our next project is sort of going to be uh, more of a merch project. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> we're doing, um, this is actually the first time that I'm talking about this to anybody, actually. Oh, cool. in a, in a kind of, uh, <laughs> well, Morgan knew, but he's, sure. he gets the inside stuff. That's fine. <clears throat> um, so we're doing custom dice. 
and we're doing um, custom dice bags that are going to uh, be made out of a Colombian leather. Ah, cool. So, and there I'll may be, be some that. other stuff involved <laughs> with the Kickstarter as well. We haven't ironed out all the details sure, yet. Sure, sure. Oh, that's great. Uh, and how about for you? What, which uh, which uh, conventions are you uh, as Northland Adventures going to be attending? Um, so next on tap is Total Con, which is in Massachusetts in February. Mm-hmm. After that would be Gary Con. Um, I don't have any exact summer plans yet, but I know that I'll be in Game Hole in Madison, Wisconsin in gotcha. the fall. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice, cool. Uh, let's see. How can uh, what's the best way for like retailers to get in touch with you? If comic shops, whatever, want to get in touch with you? Uh, uh, right at our way? website, which is hyperborea.tv. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, any, uh, what's parting words? What's, what's your elevator speech? Uh, if someone's like, Hey, what do you do? Hyperborea, what's that? What's your, right. uh, what's your, uh, you know, one minute spiel to, uh, why someone should check out uh, Hyperborea and what makes it a little different than other systems. Out well, there? it's, it's an old school style game with a sword and sorcery theme. That's that evokes the pulp fiction of authors such as Robert E. Howard, HP Lovecraft and Clark Ashton Smith. So if you like old style play with a, with a strong pulp fiction, uh, theme to it, with the game rules that are married to um, a setting that merges all these elements, then mm-hmm. uh, then Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea is the game for you. That's awesome. One last bonus question. So, you know, in our uh, podcast, we have this thing called the Wandering Whiskey Table. What are your top five Wandering Whiskey Table items? What would be your top five whiskeys you'd want on a Wandering Whiskey Table? You want me to list five different whiskeys? Yeah. What's your top five whiskeys you would have on a, your table if okay, you had such well, a thing? Well, lately my, lately my favorite whiskey is Basil Hayden. Sure, yeah. Sure, <laughs> um, I do like That's Knob great. Creek. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, God, you they have a rye, the too. Now. Have, Knob Creek has a they good rye, They do have a rye, too. yes. Yeah, yeah. I do like uh, Gentleman Jack uh, for uh, Jack yeah, Daniels. Yeah. It's a, nice. um, uh, let's see, what else? Um... <laughs> <laughs> that was on the list, so you couldn't have even read that beforehand. I just five thought, I was whiskeys. like, let me think about it right now. What are your top five? I don't drink that much. I just can't. Good to clarify. Good to clarify. Um, I guess that's all I could think I of before. That's moment. fine. That's fine. No. Jeff, Talani, thanks so much. Thank really you, Zach. It. I appreciate awesome. it. Awesome to talk to you again at uh, PAX Unplugged. Woo! Thank you. Thanks a lot. And that's a wrap from PAX Unplugged 2019. But I hope you found the PAX summary and these follow-up interviews interesting. And I hope they might give you some additional insight into the astonishing swordsmen and sorcerers of Hyperborea system, world setting, and some of the cool things going on with Northwind Adventures. Next time, we should be wrapping up our next chapter of the Sigurd Backstory episode with the crew's adventures within the Catasian Archipelago, stemming from a shipwreck near the Sonara Township and leading into the surrounding Harpied Woad. Until then, remember to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at ZGS Podcast. And if you have been listening to this point and want to throw up a rating or review on any of the podcatchers out there, that would be awesome. We would greatly appreciate it. It would be a pleasure to have you along on another one of our Tales from Hyperborea.